Welcome to Move Forward Radio, a show featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts. This program is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Learn how physical therapists can help people of all ages and abilities reduce pain and improve and restore motion to achieve long-term quality of life at MoveForwardPT.com. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Jason Bellamy. The terrorist attack at the 2013 Boston Marathon claimed the lives of three people, but it changed the lives of many. One of them was Adrian Haslett, a professional ballroom dancer who was a marathon spectator that day when she lost her left leg below the knee in the second of two bomb blasts. Because she lost vast amounts of blood, Adrian was initially doubtful she would survive. And after doctors saved her life, Adrian was even more skeptical that she would have quality of life in her then uncertain future. But Adrian's collaborative medical team slowly convinced her otherwise. With the help of her physical therapist, she regained the ability to not only walk, but to dance. And with that, she regained a cherished part of her identity. In this special episode of Move Forward Radio, Adrian takes us through her recovery process in an interview we recorded in June 2017, immediately after she delivered the keynote speech at the American Physical Therapy Association's next conference and exhibition in Boston. Here's Adrian Haslett. Hi, I'm Jason Bellamy coming to you from Next 2017, where just a little while ago we finished the opening event. We're in Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm joined by the lovely Adrian Haslett. Adrian, thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Jason. It's wonderful to be here. So Adrian was our surprise keynote speaker, and if her name doesn't mean anything to you, she's a survivor of the 2013 Boston Marathon bombings. Mm-hmm. Um, physical therapy had a tremendous impact on your life. Huge. You shared that today. There were as many tears in the audience as coming from you. And yes, I got, I got teary-eyed just being surrounded by so many people that are involved with physical therapy. I just am so grateful for everyone. I wanted to just hug them all and show them my appreciation. It made me get teary-eyed. Yeah, there's a lot of love in the room. Um, we're going to kind of go through your story and some yeah. of the things you talked about, but I just want to get some of the details out of the way for people who don't know it. Thank you. So April 15, 2013, you're a spectator of the Boston Marathon. Yeah. You actually brushed shoulders at some point with one of the bombers. I did. Um, the explosions happened. You lose your leg below the left knee, basically. Yep, yep. Um, And you go to the hospital that night, make a goodbye call to your parents, pr- totally thinking you're not going to survive. I didn't. So, so that's the sort of the incident, right? Mm-hmm. At some point, you come out of that. You realize you're going to survive this. But as, as you told me, we've talked privately, you talked tonight, you thought the quality of your life was going to be a zero. So take me back to that point. I mean, what were your images of what life was going to be like for you? Gosh, you know, it's, it was impossibly hard. I, being a professional ballroom dancer, my foot was my craft, my foot was my tool, my body was my tool, and that was completely taken away from me. Uh, and in such a horrific way, I thought my life and quality of life would be a zero. I thought uh, not owning a television, still don't own a television. Uh, I thought that I would have to buy a television, eat Cheetos, and that was going to be my life. I had no idea what a prosthetic was, how to say the word prosthetic, um, what, P- what PTs really did. I hadn't been injured before, and it just, I thought my quality of life would be a, a nothing. I just, I was, it was a very low point. Yeah. So we're going to get to the physical therapy part later, but I want to talk about two experiences you had with doctors, both positive, mm-hmm. positive and negative, before you get to your physical therapist. Yeah. Um, tell me about the positive one first. Yes, of course. Uh, my doctor, I could go on for hours, so I'll, I'll cut, cut the Cliff Notes important version. Uh, and 
you know, my surgeon is my superman, Dr. Kalish at Boston Medical Center, and he just, he's incredible. And he looked at me when I told him that my quality of life would be a zero, and I was really broken and beaten down and stapled back together, and my family was there, and I was crying in the room. And I said, you know, my quality of life is going to be a zero. And he looked at me and he said, Adrian, I promise you your life will never be the same, but I also promise you that it doesn't have to be bad. And that was incredible to me. And it gave me the power to uh, choose what life I wanted to have and have the, my circle of people around me encourage that path. And I just thank him so much for that. It was so empowering to, to hear him say, you know what, it, it may not be the same, but it doesn't have to be bad. So my new normal, because I don't believe in the word recovered, um, and I think the end is just a font at the end of a Disney movie, uh, new normal is not so bad thanks to PT and to him and to believing in me and saying that so early on that I could see that. So that was early reinforcement and, and then relatively early on um, to kind of jump ahead in your story, you had this inter interview with Anderson Cooper in which mm -hmm. a few things happened. Um, he asked you if you're gonna dance again and yes. you sort of, as you said, gaze into his beautiful blue eyes and beautiful. you say yes. Yeah. Uh, he, he asked about maybe running a marathon someday. You say sure, you would do that. And after that is when you have a, a bad doctor experience. And tell me about that one. I did, I did. He, uh, the bad doctor, uh, I don't remember his name because meds. Um, and, and he walked into my room later on that evening after I had that interview with Anderson. And he said to me, you know, I've been here and I've been here for over 20 years and I've never seen an amputee dancer and I saw your interview and you shouldn't have hope. And I was like, what the Foxtrot are you saying to me? But I didn't say that then because I was broken and beaten down and crying and stapled back together and part of me was still evidence, you know, it was just horrific. And then he went on to say that if, you know, your chances are one in a million. And I said to him, coming from somewhere deep inside, even though I didn't have hope at that point, I said, if my chances are one in a million, I'll be that one. Uh, but it was devastating and I believed him for a while, definitely. One of the things, and especially thinking about the, the physical therapy audience that's likely to watch this video, right, is there were times, and that was one of them, where you basically told people that you believed in something that you really didn't believe in yet. Yes. Um, going back to the good doctor again, that was a doctor that basically, you know, asked you to promise him that, to tell him when you run the marathon, because he was going to be there. Asked you to promise him that you would tell him when you were going to dance, because he was going to be there. And you promised, but you said you didn't believe. How, how long till you started to actually believe you could? It's a great question. Uh, so, yes, I definitely said, you know, of course I'll do that because I, I, I wanted to do that for Dr. Kalish. He'd done so much for myself and my family. And, and, but, you know, I'd say it was probably once I got into physical therapy and once I learned how this prosthetic thing attaches to my body <laughs> and how I'm supposed to balance on something that I don't even feel that's underneath me and to trust that feeling that I don't have, but to trust in the knowledge of my physical therapist once I started taking my first unassisted steps, which was, I have it on video, it's uh, on July 2nd of 2014, or t excuse me, 2013, um, just months later. Yeah. And as soon as I took those first initial steps, I was like, all right, you know what? If I can walk, I can dance. But did you really believe that? For a fleeting moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, can't, I would be lying if I said I believed it in, in all of me. Because uh, there, there's, there's all of this going on.
And so the other thing I remember you telling me that you filmed was was when you took your first dance step. And so take me through that. Yeah, yeah, that was an incredible moment. It was more mind over matter at that point. I was walking fairly stable uh, and unassisted. So I knew that if I was walking, I could dance, but I couldn't even take a first dance move because I didn't want to physically feel my limitations. And so I, I was in my kitchen and I thought, you know, this darn box step that I taught for decades to my students that they would be able to pick it up and whether they were, you know, a construction worker or a football player or they said they had two left feet. I always like to say, I don't have any, so you can't have your excuse. But I thought, you know, I've told, I always told them never to give up. And I just stood there and I stepped forward, side together, back, side together, burst out crying and hit the floor. Um, and that was my first one. And I was crying out of happiness, sadness, defeat, anger, you name it, all, all the feels. So uh, I want to talk about one more thing, athletic, for a second, and that, that is how you became a runner. Yeah. Um, you were, again, you were a spectator when this thing happened. You were not out on the course. No. Um, you, didn't even, you weren't even really there to watch the racers. You were shopping. I was shopping because nobody else was shopping because the stores were empty because everyone was watching these people go 26.2 for a free banana and passing out and recovering for, like, weeks, and I thought that was crazy. Why would you do that? It doesn't involve ostrich feathers or dance shoes or spray tan. Like, it just seemed nuts. And so tell the story of how you get into running. So I got a running blade clearly to do the jive and swing dancing faster, but I quickly realized that that would get tangled into my partner's feet, and so it sat in the back of my closet. I was about to donate it to a fund that recycles legs and limbs for life. Yeah. Limbs for life, yeah. And I sit on their board too, and now um, and. I was going to recycle it, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to give this thing a try. That way I can say, I tried it, I ran around the block, I'd never run around the block before. I always used to say, if I'm running, you should be running too. <laughs> There's a very good reason why. Uh, and I went out for a run, I quickly realized that it was way harder than I thought. In order for that blade to compress, it is, uh, it has, you know, to be longer. And so you trip over yourself, you, I was wearing a helmet. And I ran around the block and I thought, you know what, this is a challenge and a challenge I'm willing to accept. So I'm sorry that Limbs for Life didn't get that blade, but uh, I kept on running. And one day I woke up and I was like, I feel like going for a run. And I thought, what am I thinking? Like, what, what is going on? And then I got faster and faster and further and I tracked it. I was up to 10 miles and I thought, if I can do 10, I can do 26.2. And, um, and that's how I declared that I would do the Boston Marathon in 2016. So that's just crazy. Yeah, and that was 2016. And, and to me, one of the most poignant parts of your story is, you know, you decide to do this. You haven't been a runner all your life. You're obviously coming back from this major injury. Mm -hmm. You're doing this in Boston. You're doing this where this happened. You have name recognition. You have people who are expecting you to do this. And it's 4.30 a.m. on the morning of the Boston Marathon. And you feel how? I feel terrified. Terrified because of all those reasons you're saying. People are watching. Uh, I was recognized, so people were saying, I'll be at this mile, I'll be at that mile, and I'm thinking, what if I don't make it to that person? Like, what if I disappoint people by not finishing? Which is crazy, because it's a marathon, and even sometimes elites don't finish, because you never know what could happen out there. But I, my gosh, I put so much pressure on myself, and uh, I just felt terrified, and I looked at one of my teammates, or my team that had gathered there, and and I just said, I don't know, guys. Like, I, I'm scared. I started to tear up. And he looked, one of my teammates looked at me and he said, Adrian, what will get you to that finish line is nothing compared to what got you to the start line. 
and I just started crying and I we got on the buses and you on the bus forever thinking I have to run home and uh, and I crossed the start line and I thought mission accomplished like whatever happens from here happens and I'm so happy that I crossed the finish line of course but uh, I came in last and as a recovering perfectionist that's pretty good That's pretty good so um, if I would have talked to you on April 14th or the morning of April 15th 2013 and I would have asked you you know what are words you would use to describe yourself I have to think dancer would have come pretty close to the front. Absolutely. And so what through this experience of have, having dance being part of your identity, losing that as part of your identity, and starting to get that back, what, what has that been like and how would you describe yourself now? Gosh, you know, yeah, I would absolutely say dancer, number one, uh, before. And, and I'm a dancer again, and I love being able to say that. Uh, and it's, it's thanks to so many people that, that have really helped me along the way. Um, I'd say I describe myself now as uh, a dancer and a runner, which is crazy, uh, and an adventurer and uh, someone who looks a challenge in the eye and says, I, I want to give this my all. Uh, I want to try it. And I want to I prove to others that have sat in their hospital beds not knowing anything about the future. It makes me tear up just thinking about it because I was so there and I still sit bedside with people who are going through the horrific experience of limb loss and and other injuries and I and I you know I would say that you know it's it's so tough and um, I would say that I'm I'm here to inspire others so they know how uh, they can do it too that they can go through it I'm like reliving the moments in my brain as I talk um, I they can go through it too and and they can come out the other end and that they're just like Dr. Kalish's words you know it may not be ever be the same but it's it doesn't have to be bad you can have bad moments you can throw your leg across the room and ask your service dog to retrieve it uh, you can you know do all the things you need to do to get by but it doesn't have not every day has to be bad and by the way let's stop there what's your service dog's name Fred Astaire <laughs> he, he couldn't make it right here right now but um He's, he's, around, he's around the corner. So. so a tribute to dance. So you, uh, let's get to the physical therapy part, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you said you had no experience. You know, as a dancer, a very physical, rigorous activity, you had zero experience with physical therapy before this happened. No, I had zero. And so take me through that. So I was uh, in the hospital and then was released into inpatient uh, rehabilitation at Spalding Rehab here in Boston. And I met my PT, Diana, for the first time, and she was explaining to me what a physical therapist was. I thought it was like a therapist that would help me work through the, the heart and soul of it all, which I also found one of those. Uh, and I thought, oh, this is great. Like, she's going to help me figure out how this thing's going to attach to my leg and how we're going to do this and how I'm going to dance again. And she said, you know, I saw your interview with Anderson Cooper and you want to run and dance. And she stuck with those goals. And she continued to tell me, you know, in the tough love ways and when I needed to hear it, you know, change your sweatpants, it's been three days, don't make me bedazzle your wheelchair to make you feel better, like we got this, we have a goal and we're gonna, we're gonna achieve it. And, you know, there were times when she would look at me and she'd say, you know, I need you to do this and this move and I thought, I don't even know what that is, like what is a plank? Like I don't, I don't even know what that is, I'm a dancer, I just dance. It was, it was comical. So she taught me all about PT and, and how to work out and keep your core strong for balance and 
well, that's one of the things, that, that's one of the things was, I want to talk about. It was is wonderful. That, you know, you talked about, you know, you have this, you're missing limb. And yeah. so the natural thing is to go, like, that's my problem. I need to walk. It's leg related. Yeah. And you said there was that initial confusion of why are we working on core strength? And, and yes. how did she gain confidence in, in you about what you were doing? She told me that one day I might dance with Derek Huff, um, which helped <laughs> uh, because Derek Huff. And, uh, and, I, and that I needed to have core strength to run the marathon. I needed to have core strength to do stairs. I needed to have core strength to stand up straight. I needed to have core strength if I wanted to keep my posture, which was in my brain from all my coaches over the decades. And I, she gained my confidence through telling me, now we're gonna do this because this is gonna be your end result. And these are your mediums that get you there. And so you said too, like you think about that still, not just dancing, but doing simple things like, you know, emptying the dishwasher and stuff like that. You're sort of going through those physical therapy routines in your head, right? Absolutely. Physical therapy is not just in the time when you're actually there with your physical therapist. I am thinking about it constantly in my everyday practice, just like you said, and uh, in everyday life and just making sure that I'm keeping it strong. It was the time when I couldn't wear my leg after the marathon. My leg was a little angry I did that. So I had to think back to that physical therapy again. How, do, how am I going to maneuver around my life without my, without my leg? And how am I going to keep those muscles strong while I'm not wearing it? And it is a huge trust thing. I mean, you're, you're getting in there with your physical therapist. And she was and is an, an amazing human. So the last thing I want to talk about is you really talked in your keynote tonight about the Better Together theme, which is APTAs, and you basically said like, oh yeah, I totally identify with that. Yes. And so, you know, talk about the collaboration of all the people on your healthcare team and what that meant to you. Yeah, it meant the world to me, and I, I completely echo the Better Together. We're all better together, uh, and we learn off each other. And, and from my experience, uh, my PT spoke with, on, on a daily basis, spoke with my uh, prosthetist, Brian and spoke with my Superman surgeon, Dr. Kalish, spoke with my uh, mental health therapist and spoke with you know, everyone so that they knew, oh gosh, you know, she has a, a blister or a slight infection or a potential infection or she fell because I hopped because I was not behaving my physical therapist. Um, and, uh, and I, you know, she has this. And so I didn't need to A, explain for the first half hour what was going on to every single one of those doctors. And, in, in no particular order, it made me feel like I had an entire team better together, entire team that was there cheering for me, knowledgeable. And when I laid my head in the pillow at night, I had a whole list of issues that I was trying to deal with, but I knew that that part was being taken care of, that that team was not trying to make decisions based on one person. It was based on my goals. And every single one of them knew what those were and worked tirelessly to achieve them. And that helped my family as well and my circle and everyone around me. So speaking of family, that theme's gonna come up in something we're gonna play just a second, so don't go. Um, you were very kind enough to uh, work with us on a video, which we're about to play fun. for the first time online. It played today, that was the first time people saw it. Um, we're gonna put it here at the end of the video here in just a moment, and then we'll independently post that to Facebook uh, and YouTube at, uh, later on. We really encourage you to find that and share that. Um, we're very proud to work with you on that. Thank you, Adrian. It was a wonderful video. Thank you for putting it together. It was an awesome time filming it, and I hope it helps others to have a little hope and inspire PTs everywhere as well. All right, so she's Adrian Haslett. We're great to, grateful to have her as the 2017 Next Keynote. You can watch video of Adrian and find other podcasts like this one at moveforwardpt.com. I'm Jason Bellamy. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. 
Insight from our guest is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at moveforwardpt.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com radio.